I think I'm having an art attack. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Art Attack with art historian Lizzie Dastin and myself, Justin Bua. Today, we're talking about one of Lizzie's favorite street artists. Would you say that's fair to say favorite? I think one of the most significant street artists, for sure, and a very early example of why I got interested in this field, because the artist we're talking about is JR, who Mm. is kind of anonymous. He is Parisian, and he is such an activist for street art and the possibility of art within a public space. And he won the TED Prize back, I think it was 2011. And I watched that speech many, many times and was just completely transfixed by what he had to say about the world being the largest gallery Mm -hmm. there is. And just the democratic possibility of seeing the street as a canvas. And he has gone on to create these really impressive and impactful projects that not only have aesthetic interest and value, but also more uh, more social value too and political. And so that to me kind of checks all the boxes. I think that it's nice to look at. It says important things and it really does empower the people that he depicts. So yeah, JR, let's talk about him. Well, I mean, when I first looked at his work, which was about 12 seconds ago, <laughs> I was like, wait, who are we doing? I wasn't going to blow up your spot, but... <laughs> no, I mean, I don't care. I'm like very honest and open in this podcast. This is all letting it all hang out. But the point is, I was like, who? And then I was like, are you talking about JR from uh, the TV show? Or are you talking about, okay, JR, the street artist. So <laughs> you, uh, when I looked at his work, of course, I've seen his work. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, that guy. But it's not somebody that I know, that I knew right off the top of my dome. And the first thing I thought was, you know, is very clever, much like Banksy. The reason that I like Banksy so much is I like interacting with public space and being clever. Yeah, I think it's fun. Like, you know, the the image of the eye opening between two f- with his two fingers between two fingers coming out of this kind of little window portal it's clever and i feel like when you interact with public space on such a massive level it's nice to not only have social and political messages and interesting things but also to be a little bit of a cleverist because it demands attention from your viewer and to be playful which is so important and that's something that you and i have discussed before that being humorous is also a strategy and it's it's just i think as as important as saying something that has these deep politically trenchant themes and jr in my opinion is able to do all of it now and- just to be clear with everybody out there uh jr is a parisian artist who works doing wheat pasting with photographic images. I do he does not paint these images, correct? He does not paint. So he actually began in a graffiti crew in Paris. Okay. And he was as the story goes, he was traveling on the metro and somebody had left behind a camera. And so he scooped up the camera and then started taking photographs. Euphemism for stealing it. Go ahead. <laughs> he self-sanctioned the camera and reappropriated it. So now he's taking photographs of the adventures of his crew, 
And then he decided to marry the two practices of wheat pasting and graffiti and photography into one. And so he takes photographs of people. Mostly, I think they are photographs that were self-generated by JR himself. And then he blows them up to this massive scale. And you mentioned scale briefly, and I think that's a really important aspect of his practice is that the photographs are so large. They are incredibly descaled. And then he'll zoom in, he'll crop the photograph. And so rarely do we see the entire face. Often we see a section of it, like the fingers that you mentioned, or eyes in his project, Wrinkles of the City. And that, I think, also adds to the dynamism of his work. And the social bent, to me, is perhaps the most the most resonant still. So one of his very early projects was called, I think, Face to Face. And in this one, he photographed people, Palestinians, he photographed Israelis, and he pasted photos right next to each other on Israeli-Palestinian borders. So he would take a photograph of an Israeli butcher, let's say, next to a Palestinian butcher. And then putting them together, it invites both comparison, but also asks the question, can you really tell just from looking at these images, which one is Israeli, which one is your comrade, which one is your mortal enemy? And I think in so doing, he is collapsing difference and saying that Basically, we are all the same and we have much more points of contact than we do points of departure. And that was such a simple but such an effective gesture and also one that was dangerous. And so he's physically risking his freedom, his body, his health to perpetuate this message. And that was an early example of JR's activism and to me, one of his most effective now, does JR's work exist in the gallery at all? Is he doing any gallery installations, or is it only outside of the museum walls? No, he has parlayed the practice to a gallery. He'll either take photographs and then sell the photos, or I think he's done immersive installations too. And so probably starting to get more into that space. But again, it's always really hard to monetize these kinds of efforts. Is it, So these works now are sanctioned or unsanctioned? I would say now they're all sanctioned. Yeah, it feels like they are. Definitely, especially since his scale just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And same with his accolades and his notoriety. And so now he does not need to work in any sort of illegal way. I wonder if he's getting paid, like the one on Franklin Street in New York the, of Ellis Island, of all the immigrants from Ellis Island, the kids. I wonder if those kind of jobs are actually paid gigs or if they're just his own thing. Like he gets the wall and he puts it up. Cause oftentimes just so that people understand, you know, oftentimes you do get paid to do these jobs. You, or at least you get sanctioned, you know, from early writers never were sanctioned. Obviously there was barely such a thing as back in the days when you were going out doing heavens or getting up, you were just straight bombing. You were just getting up. You were going to the heavens. You were trying to just go all city, but Today, when you get a really big wall, the reality of the situation is if you don't get sanctioned, it's A, going to get buffed, B, you're going to get arrested, or C, you're just going to get shut down. Like, what are you doing painting up there? So these days, when you get a wall, it's a, it's, a nice, it's a nice gift for an artist to be able to get a wall, to be able to create so large. But a guy like, you know, Tristan Eaton, you know, he's obviously, he's getting paid in the shade doing all this 
work all over. And, and, he, and, and some of these artists make a pretty penny for getting up and out there. I would bet my cat's life that JR is getting paid for every project that he does. Sure. For sure. He just did something at the Louvre. He basically made one of I Am Pay's... Wait, what happened to Lizzie's cat? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, Go no, ahead. Skipper! <laughs> um, he made I Am Pay's iconic pyramid at the Louvre disappear okay. with his wheat paste. Sure. So clearly, if he's partnering with the Louvre, he's getting paid. Sure. He did something for the Olympics and right. hey, I saw Tristan Eaton the other day at Starbucks. I saw his work all over Starbucks. I mean, some of these artists that you you know that are so street centric and that are doing these giant murals and public projects, and first illegally now now sanctioned, you know, you start seeing their work pop up at very heavy duty multi billion dollar corporations. It's kind of interesting. But that's okay. One for the Great. man, one for the soul. No, and absolutely. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with partnering with a corporation as long as it's done with an alignment of ethics and values. Sure. I mean, let's be real. These days, you need a patron to work. All artists, you know, Picasso had Gertrude Stein, Michelangelo had the Medici family, and Pope Julius II. Everybody has their patrons. And I think the patrons of today, fortunately and unfortunately, are multi-conglomerate corporate entities. That's just the reality of our situation. They have the most money, and if they feel like they're, they want to be patrons of the arts, fantastic. I'm not actually sure whether JR has done a collaboration like that yet. I'm sure he has, and maybe I just don't know about it. But I definitely am supportive of that if it's going to get more shine on some of these lesser-known projects. Would you be comfortable with that if it was a corporation that you despised, like a... I don't know who, what corporations you personally despise, but let's say a Monsanto or a... McDonald's, somebody that you weren't aligned in terms of your values and ethics. No, but that's also not my choice. Right. So personally, would that make me maybe question the work or see it through a different yeah, lens? Yeah, that, that was more my question. It's a deeper question. Yeah, I think it does. I think it's really impossible to totally disentangle those things. And there are certain corporations like American Express or even Red Bull who are very open to the creativity of street art and graffiti. And so I think Absolutely. And yeah. break and breakdancing and you know all of the underground stuff. I mean Red Bull puts a lot of money into the BC1s and a lot of the B-boy events and you know I think Red Bull's doing a lot of putting on a lot of cool shit. You know the the end of the day snowboarding and all that extreme sports stuff. They make really cool content. They're doing cool shit. So they put their money into into stuff. I feel like that's really important in terms of the arts. I do too. But someone like the NFL, would I necessarily choose to partner with them? Probably not right mm. now, just based on everything that's been going on ideologically. So I, I think that you just have Me to- Me neither. No, I'm kidding. I did EA Sports, uh, NFL Street. So I guess I partnered with them. Oh, we also did oh, the Super Bowl. Remember sellout. I did for my yeah right. You're such a sellout, <laughs> Pua. And then I did the I did the halftime show for my TV show Street Art Throwdown. I did the NFL halftime show. We did a mural there, and you know did a whole interview and a, a whole like kind of song and dance during that. Remember that? And that was fun. But anyway, yeah. Enough about you. Back to Jr. Who cares about me? <laughs> Who cares about Jr. <laughs> so another Who killed Jr. <laughs> I only know that reference because it's Larry Hagman, but I, I Larry Hagman was an I Dream of Genie. Exactly. And he was the the keeper of Genie. And your grandfather, Sidney Sheldon, created I Dream of Genie. Exactly. But no woman has a keeper. I guess Genie did, but 
Yeah. And, those and, were those and days. Lizzie's grandfather, Sidney Sheldon, is a very famous author, a, a brilliant writer, and a brilliant creator of some of the best TV shows that I loved growing up, like I Dream of Jeannie and Heart to Heart. But Larry Hagman was famous from I Dream of Jeannie and then later became famous for... Dallas. Dallas, where he was the ubiquitous, multifaceted, and bizarre JR. I know. And the question, who shot JR? That I don't was, actually know who did. But right. this other JR. So he did a project called Wrinkles of the City, and they are all around downtown LA. A couple of them are still extant. And extant just means that they're still there. With wheat pasting, it's hard to stay up because it's just a very delicate mm. medium and easily ripped down. So the one, the huge one that's still in existence is on the facade of the Angel City Brewery. And what I love about this project is that he seems to focus in attention on communities that are otherwise neglected. And in this case, it's members of the elderly community, specifically people living in Boyle Heights. And especially in a city like LA that is so driven by aesthetics, and this desire, this drive for youth, when we see somebody who disrupts that comfort, we would just prefer to overlook him or her. And so I think JR is making us question that by taking photographs exclusively of people who are otherwise marginalized and made invisible, and then by blowing the photograph up to such a large a large scale and pasting it on this really important landmark uh, structure in LA. The Angel City Brewery is a building that was of a Roebling, the Roebling family. They built that. The Roeblings, they're the ones who are the architects of the Brooklyn Bridge in New York. So a really venerable family. And that's where JR decides to paste. And I think that he's just forcing us to see, forcing us to acknowledge people that otherwise we would feel hesitant to, to giving some sort of, of uh, space to. And the way that the wrinkles are just a noble, to me, it's like a palimpsest of a lived life. And it's a really beautiful project and I think particularly important in this city that is so driven by a different kind of, of culture. It's wrinkle-free. It's a facelift city. It is. You know, and so we don't want to get old. We don't want to confront the inevitable demise of gravity. And there is a beauty to that, and that's amazing that he's able to kind of focus in on the beauty. And it really says life. It says experience. It says living. And there's a vitality to all of that and a beauty in all of that for sure. My question to you would be, do you think that the act of photography dilutes the integrity of the work because it's not a creation from scratch, it's a photograph? And how would other street artists feel about that? Artists that are spending forget about it amounts of time, endless, countless hours creating from a blank canvas, he's taking something that pre-exists and wheat pasting it up there. Well, since I consider photography to be an equal to painting, I don't think that there is really any denigrated difference between the two. No, I don't think it dilutes anything. And I understand that people see photography as a separate medium just because it's reproducible, but so is a wheat paste. Sure. That's kind of the point of a wheat paste is that you pre-design it in your studio or wherever you are, and then it's it's able to put up really quickly so you can avoid hopefully being seen by the cops. 
And so I think that it's actually kind of aligned with the practice and the speed and the ubiquity of street art because a stencil, isn't that the same thing? If you spray Mm -hmm. a stencil, then that's a reproducible medium too. Absolutely. So I think that photography and just the the way that we're able to print photograph after photograph after photograph, that does seem sort of closer to street art than even a mural. I'm not as much of a photography lover. I, I, I obviously there are photography uh, and artists who do photography that I love and I've talked about many times, like Ansel Adams. And I think that uh, JR's work is powerful, though, and it, it really comes down to me for the sheer scale of it all. It's so big and it's cool because sometimes just looking at a blank facade is boring. And now all of a sudden here you have a story, you have a narrative, you have a direction, a point of view. And that is just amazing because, you know, you, you see art all the time and a lot of it is just not good. It's not great. JR stuff is very, very pointed. It It is, definitely. And it has a purpose, which I think is really significant to note. I also love that he prints in black and white because it's almost a throwback to the origins of photography. He's not paint or he's not wheat pasting to simulate a painting. I'm sure it's just cheaper though. I mean, that's the reality of the situation. Uh, Who knows? Maybe it started that way, but it doesn't matter what the intention was. It's really the reception and the way that it lands in the viewer. And to me, as a lover of photography, I appreciate the homage to the roots. Well, let's talk about the physical and actual application of this, right? So what happens? Uh, I'm familiar with some of the printing world. Obviously, I've been doing, you know, I did posters my entire life and I deal with that kind of stuff all the time. But how does he, does he have to print in sections and then they literally take wheat paste, which is by the way, from wheat, the stuff that you eat, the gluten, bread, pasta, same shit, same glue that goes in your guts goes on the wall because it's the stickiest shit in the world. So does he take sections (laughs) of this piece that they print at a, at a printing press and then just piecemeal it together? Is that how it works? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you look at some of the the work, like the Angel City Brewery, you can see some of those lines. Because a printing press can only print so wide. Think about it, right? You can print only so wide as the press, but you can print as long as the roll of paper. That's an important thing for people to understand. Like when you're actually printing, you have a roll of paper. Let's say it's 10 feet long, right? So you can only print 10 feet wide, but maybe the roll is 200 feet long. So you can, you can print those dimensions, but no more. So it's the width of the roll that you really have to print multiples of over and over until you piecemeal it together, right? Oh, yeah. And that kind of puzzle aspect of the work would also, if I didn't know that he was as iconic as he is and is celebrated, that would give me a clue into knowing that his work is sanctioned because there's no way you could put something up in that scale having to puzzle together each of the individual sections if you weren't sanctioned by somebody or at least given some sort of permission, if not money. So you take the printed works that you get done wherever and you you bring them up on the scaffolding with your bucket of glue of wheat paste and you have your the the whatever that thing is that you dip it in what is that 
Just your some brush, sort of brush. Some kind of brush. Yeah, and then you shellac the surface, and then you apply whatever printed material to a, that ahead. that sticky surface, and then you epoxy on top of it. When you epoxy on top of that, are you kind of squeegeeing it, so you're getting it off? All the air bubbles out, yeah. Okay. And it's interesting because, and that's, it's kind of like wallpapering technique. It's also like decoupage. Mm-hmm. And that connection, I'm really glad we're talking about this, is so interesting to me because both of those practices, wallpapering and decoupage, are seen as feminized. They're for women, they're confined to the home, any kind of practice that references domesticity is of course aligned with with women in general, but wheat pasting and doing work that's aggressive and large on the streets, that's such a masculine, hyperbolic act, but it's the same thing. And so context really predicates our interpretation. So does he act alone or does he work with a crew or a team of people much like a Shepherd Ferry or a Banksy? I mean, I've done wheat pasting and it's very small. I've done it alone. I've done it with a couple of friends. But never, ever in that size. That size. Right. I assume that he works with the community that he is installing the works within Mm -hmm. and also that he has his own team. I've never gotten to meet JR. I hope I will. Uh, But that's, that's my assumption just based on the pure scale of what he does. And so sometimes he'll have the the wheat paste be function dually as the roof of a house. And so it isn't just for this flimsy but um, but aesthetic purpose. It also has a functionality of keeping weather outside of the house. And so there really are just so many layers to what he's doing. And he is calling our attention to these people, women. He has a whole series on on women who are so important and often so overlooked within more rural communities around the world. And I I just, I love that, that he's aggressive in, in his scale and also in his message. So if you guys don't know who we're talking about, all you have to do, this is how I did it, is Google J.R. Dallas. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Google J.R. Street Artist and images. Go to images, J.R. Street Artist. You could check out his work. He's really cool. He's doing really great shit. Really is. And it's it's really powerful, impactful art. And it's nice to see street artists going out there in the world, doing what they love to do and being really successful at it, making a career at it, and really, at the same time, carrying a social and political message that has that's important. 